While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. The name of this podcast is Moving Through Georgia. Many of our stories will be based in Northeast Georgia, but we'll be moving throughout the state. For this first podcast, we're moving through, or more like to, Banks County. We're going to come into Banks County alongside the Nancytown Creek. That's a waterway that starts above Lake Russell and runs out of the Chattahoochee National Forest. Eventually, it'll run into the Broad River. The purpose of this podcast is to talk about the history of primarily Northeast Georgia, but also Georgia in general, and how names and events form a place. This isn't a lecture. It isn't a history paper. It's a walk. It's a tour. It's a discussion. We'll start here at Nancytown Creek, and we could end up anywhere. This is the South, however, so I can guarantee that wherever or whenever we start, we will usually pass near or through a church. Lots of the research for these stories begins and ends in churchyards, looking at grave markers worn smooth from time that could be from the 18th or 19th century. In 1755, a battle was fought somewhere near what is now Cherokee County between a group of Cherokee moving into land settled by the Muscogee Creek people. It was known as the Battle of Talawa. It was a significant battle and it opened up the area for the Cherokee to begin settling as far as where we are here in Banks County. During the battle, a Cherokee leader named Kingfisher was killed and his wife, named Nanyahi, rallied the warriors and led the Cherokee to a victory. Nanyahi was known as a beloved woman or a leader among the Cherokee, and we could talk all day about Nanyahi. She negotiated on behalf of her people with English and later American men and once even asked them why they had no women on their side of the land negotiations. She believed that women would always work for peace and fair settlements. When she married an Irish trader named Bryant Ward, who also, by the way, had a wife and children in South Carolina, her name was changed to Nancy Ward. The Cherokee settlement in which she lived for a time was called Nancytown. On the map today, you can find Nancytown Lake, Nancytown Falls, and Nancytown Creek, named after a Cherokee woman who fought and negotiated for the good of her people. Negotiating. All right, let's talk for a moment about treaties. The borders you see on any map were all created by treaties. We know where this is going to end up. We know what will happen to the Cherokee. When Nancy Ward looked across the table to the British and American negotiators, I'm sure she knew that some were honorable men who were intent on preserving the dignity and culture of the Cherokee people. And some weren't. As the Cherokee were moved out of more and more places, they couldn't have known exactly what was in their future, but they knew they were living on land that those settlers wanted, and they wanted it badly. Treaty or no? If you've read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, then you know. This is history. There were congressmen who voted for prohibition and then went out to have a drink to celebrate. 
There were those who involved us in wars overseas and then made sure their children were deferred from the draft. Laws and treaties have been written in bad faith throughout the history of the world, but treaties were the law of the land and were agreements between the new American government and the native people, and we're going to treat them as such in this podcast. The line that we crossed to move into Banks County is just about the line that was drawn in 1783, the year the Constitution was ratified. The brand new government of the United States signed the Treaty of Augusta, which drew a line from the top of Currahee Mountain to the source of the most southern branch of the Oconee River. Draw that line on a map, and part of that line separates Habersham and Banks Counties. North of that line belonged to the United States. South of the line was a vast amount of Cherokee land, and you would need a passport to cross that border. You can see them in some historical society museums. Nancy Ward would end up living in Tennessee, where she's buried in a town called Benton. The border would be reaffirmed in a few treaties, Hopewell and the Treaty of Long Swamp Creek. If we continue down alongside Nancytown Creek over the border, we'll reach another waterway, Wofford Creek. It runs along Wofford Creek Road, east of 441, and it was a settlement with a fort south of the border. 16 to 35 families lived on Cherokee land near Wofford's Creek within reach of a fort that was basically a high stockade fence for protection. There wasn't any evidence that Wofford's Fort actually protected anyone from Native Americans angry about those who were encroaching on their land, but depending on where you looked, there were some minor raids by the Creek and Cherokee people in other parts of the border in retaliation for settlers moving in where the treaty said they didn't belong. In their defense, the settlers claimed that they were on the right side of the border that the line hadn't been properly surveyed, and that from their reckoning they were within the treaty stipulations. Treaty or not, they had moved in and had no intentions of leaving. Enter Benjamin Hawkins. Hawkins served on Washington's staff during the Revolutionary War and served in the first U.S. Senate. He negotiated with and lived with Native Americans, and in 1798 was commissioned to determine exactly where that treaty line was, and whether the Wofford Fort settlers were on the right side of that line. They weren't. The government was contacted, and another treaty. In 1804, the Treaty of Teleco added a strip 24 by 4 miles to the border, which would include Wofford Settlement and Nancytown Creek. The text of the treaty indicates that Wofford Settlement was in Cherokee land due to the line not being properly surveyed and... For the purposes of doing justice to the Cherokee people and remedying inconvenience arising to citizens of the United States from the adjustment of the boundary line between the lands of the Cherokee and those of the United States. For this, the U.S. paid the Cherokee $5,000 in goods and promised a payment of $1,000 in goods every year, forever. And here's the end of our travel, and as I've said, we're ending up here at a church. On Highway 441 Bypass in Alto, it's Line Baptist Church, also the site of a roadside historical marker. Line Baptist was founded in 1802, 
and for two years parishioners who chose to leave United States territory to attend church services would need passports and need to be back by sundown. If you're ever there, take a few minutes and walk through the cemetery. Some stones are old enough to have been worn down to blank slates. I have just one more thing to say about borders, but before I do, I want to say that Moving Through Georgia is meant to be a podcast about history, primarily in Northeast Georgia. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please consider leaving us a positive review. Maybe tell your friends. It'd be great if this was something you could share. Or, if you really want to contribute, I would love a ghost story. I would love to put together a compilation on Halloween of ghost stories from Northeast Georgia. If you have a ghost story, I'd love to read it. Send it to movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. That's all one word, moving through Georgia. I would love to hear your ghost story and I would love to share it with others. Borders move constantly through history. Before the American Revolution, the colony of Georgia claimed land all the way down to the border of Spanish Florida and all the way west to the Mississippi River. They weren't the only ones. Even South Carolina had an awkward, narrow panhandle reaching all the way to the Mississippi. Georgia would dispute their ownership of that land until 1802 when the western land claimed by the Georgia colony became parts of Alabama and Mississippi. Imagine, if Georgia had held on to that land, Ole Miss and Auburn would have both been part of the Georgia State College system.